millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Good morning, Peter. How are you doing today, Peter? Very well, thank you, Ben. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing okay. I feel it's a it's a sleepy one this morning. Yeah. I woke up feeling really just exhausted. And so I did I. I don't know why. Is it just an... Because this seems to... It seems to line up whenever one of us feels that way. Yeah. yeah. Is it a Newcastle thing? Could be. Maybe something happens at night in Newcastle on certain certain days of the week. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It was horrible weather yesterday. I don't it know if was. that is maybe there's some kind of n- not very well understood scientific phenomenon where if it like is rainy and dark the night before, then you're tired in the morning. I don't know. Mm. I'm just completely... It's going to be some old wives saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If it rains in the night, your podcast will be shoddy. Rubbish, yes. Rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. It snowed very briefly here yesterday. Mm, Yeah. Really weird. I looked out the window. It was really sunny in the morning, and then it snowed for about five minutes. Yeah. And then it it pished it down. It did. All day. It was a weird one. Horrible weather. But anyway, this is our video game podcast. We've really set ourselves up for success today, haven't we? We have. Normally do, yeah. Uh, That's the problem with recording in the morning, I suppose. But it's the only time of day that we can do it. So (laughs) on we persevere. Peter, we are sponsored this week by a very real sponsor, as we are each and every week on this podcast. Yeah. I have the ad read here. Would you like to hear it? Please tell me who is giving us the monies this week. Well, this week, with the release of Resident Evil 8, uh, those lovable scamps over at Capcom have have started. And you remember when Resi, was it 6, came out? And they did, like, a human meat market in London or something weird. Yeah, they were, like, like that. Wilson's on a plate and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, very strange. Uh, they've done a similar one for right. PR. It's called Lady D's Scary Cheese. Oh, Lovely. And I'm looking at the photo now. It's nauseating, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like got worms in it. And uh. In some parts of the world that's probably quite a delicacy, but to my to to my delicate 
British sensibilities. Although we have a strong, very strong cheese scene in the UK. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm quite happy with my mature cheddar. And I'll I'll now leave it there. Thank you very much. There is so, definitely a worm cheese out there. I've seen it. I'm um, sure there is. Yeah. I, that does not surprise me at all. However, r- presented in the context of Resident Evil Village, terrifying. Scary mm-hmm. cheese, in fact. One of the scariest cheeses, really. One of them, which I can't send a photo of you, uh, to you, sorry, because I think it's an NFT, which means oh. that legally I'm not allowed to share it. I don't understand how NFTs Is that how work. it works? So, but yeah. it's a, it's, they've built Lady Dimitrisu, or however you meant to pronounce it, out of cheese. Dimitris. 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 Dimitris, yeah. Yeah. Out of cheese. And oh, it's, wow. It's, and it's life-size. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Well, that's what we all deserve. Is it nine foot six and will it mm-hmm. stand on me? Yes. Yes. Okay. But we would need sort of a crane or some lifting equipment to, to get it into position, you know, yeah. on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's... Uh, that's it. So if you want to go see that, you can. It's in London because that's the only city in the UK where things happen apparently. Right, okay, um, yeah. God yeah. forbid you live outside London and like video games. <laughs> yeah, how dare you. Uh so there we are. That's real. Uh Lady D's scary cheese, go see it now. It's in I want to say a warehouse. Oh, well that's right? good. I'm glad that that's real because I like cheese. I like Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Resident Resident Cheese Cheesel. Mm-hmm. And I'm really pleased that that is a real thing. Resident Breville. Even better. Well done. I like okay. that. Well, I did take a pause there because I th- I think what I was going to say is, that's not real. Oh, Lady D's how... scary cheese. Not true, Peter. You know how I knew it wasn't real at the last minute? Is that's that it. if someone was going to do that, they wouldn't put worms in the cheese. They'd put weevils in the cheese. And it could be Resident Weevil. Oh, but... see, the God. Idiots, right? <sighs> God, who yeah. who are these marketing companies, and why aren't they hiring us? Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. No, we're not sponsored by Lady D's Scary Cheese. We are, in fact, sponsored by our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, where for as little as one dollar per month, you can get access to every podcast post we do. And by that, I mean you can submit questions for this podcast. We only source questions from our patrons. So do consider going over to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. Peter, where are we walking today? Well, I mean, as is now tradition, pretty much, we tend to just walk across something related to the fake sponsor. So maybe yeah. just, just some cheese. That's got to be pretty scary for you, actually, the idea of Lady D in cheese form. Why scare? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, she can stomp on me and then give me horrific digestive issues. She wow. can. Yeah. Yeah, no kissing. No. no oh, kissing don't kiss lady. the cheese. I don't think don't anyone kiss should be lady. kissing cheese, to be honest, whether or not you've got lactose issues. Oh, I don't know, man. Cheese is pretty pretty good, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I think I would... If, if the right... I'm just saying if the right cheese presented itself to me, I wouldn't turn down a little... Cheese little kiss. smooch, yeah, yeah, little cheese yeah. kiss. Uh, so yeah, enjoy that big photo, people who do not enjoy cheese. Yeah, uh, hopefully James has picked a nice looking cheese. You know what's an aesthetically appealing cheese? Edam, uh, Edam, yeah, or Gouda. One with one with big holes in. I've probably yeah, conflated a hard the two. Holy cheese, precisely mm. waxy. Mm. 
delicious. Yeah. That's good. A Tom and Jerry cheese. That's mm. what you want. Yeah. Not one that's like got veins on it. What's oh, wrong no. with you? Or actual deliberate mold in it. I mean, I know it's all effectively mold, but <laughs> is, you know, yeah. some of it has additional mold for extra crunch. That's just some... It really is some Resident Evil science, isn't it? It is, we've, really. We've taken cheese and we've developed it to the point where it's bulging and covered in blue veins. We've put it in a Ugh. kiln. What's wrong with you? Put well, the it skin tastes on. good. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I'm <laughs> all right. Uh, we're moving on now, Peter, to question one from one of our patrons. This is from the mythical Jason the Cabbie. That's his actual name. Uh Hey there, peeps, McGeeps, and Boonjamin Pooter. Long-time stalker, first-time talker. With games like Returnal, Biomutant, and others taking the roguelike model for their basic gameplay mechanic, is this something we're likely to see continue or just stay with indies and the occasional high-concept-slash-quirky AAA title? Thank you, the mythical Jason the Cabbie. Thank you. Uh, I must admit, I did not know that Biomutant was going to be a roguelike. No, um, neither did I. I've, I've sort, I've sort of, I saw the trailer, I think, mm. and then just sort of fell off that. It's not evident from the trailer, I wouldn't say, that it's a roguelike game. But um, in any case, I'll, I'll take Jason's word for it. Uh, he is mythical, after all. He seems like the kind of person who would know. <laughs> he knows, yeah. But uh, in any case, um, I think... I mean, my, my short answer would just be that I, I reckon it's not going to... I don't think it's likely to become a new trend where lots of AAA games now kind of take up the the roguelike genre and think oh yeah this is where this is where gaming's going now i think it's just going to be the case that yeah there are some occasional AAA titles that are roguelike it's mostly still going to be uh the indie scene that is given us the most roguelikes um partly because i think it's difficult not impossible of course but it's more difficult to present a cohesive believable story set in a world where death is kind of necessary and you know the world potentially changes every time you die like i don't see obviously with returnal that's got very much its own they built the story around the mechanic to make it kind of you know it's all part of the world Mm -hmm. but you couldn't do, you know, a roguelike, uh, naughty dog third person uh, action adventure game, or you couldn't do a roguelike uh, first person shit. Well, you, you could do examples of those, but you couldn't do lots of them. You know, it couldn't become a trend where you do roguelikes of these these big popular uh, kinds of uh, the kinds of games that we're, we're all playing at the moment. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to become a, a huge thing, but I'm sure we'll see more in the future. And, you know, I could very much be wrong, especially if this proves to be um, a hugely successful game, Returnal, and Biomutant as well within its own realm. I know that's not going to take the world by storm just because of its scale. But, um, you know, likewise, if that uh, sells well, um, maybe we'll see more. But I I don't think it's going to be a huge thing. Our mythical cabbie may know something we don't, but according to Wikipedia, Biomutant is not a roguelike. It's right, a yeah, I didn't, it didn't look like action one. Action role-playing game. I can't find any mention of roguelike in here at all. So, mm. yeah, that did take me by surprise when, when he said that. It may well be true in a, in a sense, but certainly I can't see anything here that, that, that mentions that. 
Um, yeah, so Returnal is a game that I'm enjoying. I'll talk a little bit more about it in what we play in, and yeah. well, in just a second, and also talked all about it in Equipscope uh, that, uh, that that released earlier this week on the channel. If you want to see some gameplay, I don't like roguelikes. I don't think they're bad games. It's just not a genre that I enjoy. Yeah, and quite frankly, we've reached a point with triple the triple A scene where there's sort of a reputation for every other game being a narrative, single-player, story-driven experience, which I would argue is just not true, because Mm. you've still got your Assassin's Creed, your Call of Duties, you know, your sports games, all that kind of stuff. Uh, But as someone who really enjoys those games, I could quite quite frankly take as many of those as as publishers and developers can produce, quite frankly, because I think they're fantastic. Yeah. but there's definitely space in the AAA zone for genres perhaps previously almost exclusively associated with indie games to take that step uh, into having a bigger budget and being put in front of more people. I don't like roguelikes because I like to feel a sense of progression and achievement when I'm playing games. Yeah. And while that is certainly true in roguelikes you know using returnal as an example as the first roguelike that i've really actually stuck with and played for a decent amount of time you do pass certain milestones and you do get certain you know permanent upgrades but the fact that you'll reset every time i as a concept i don't find that particularly alluring and even though i am enjoying returnal and i do like it that I feel is perhaps in spite of the of the genre that it's in, and I can tell you for a fact that I I once I finished it, I will never play this game again because I don't feel like I need to. It's a challenge that I'm going to overcome, and it's just not the type of challenge that I would enjoy experiencing more than once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So while I would welcome roguelikes and other genres that aren't usually seen in the AAA space to the AAA space, because I think that kind of innovation and uh, the term I'm looking for is gone from my brain. Variety, that's it, mm. is good for the industry um, yeah. to, to, to have those genres be seen and explored and tried out and brought to more people. I can't say that I will necessarily be getting them. Hades, obviously, is another roguelike that's, that went down a storm last it year. It did, yeah. Won, won several Game of the Year awards. Looks fantastic. Um, and that, before Returnal, was the game that I was thinking, maybe that's the, the roguelike that actually gets me. But even if the story and the characters are great, if the core concept is dying and restarting over and over again, and it's, you know, your, your fate and success is largely down to your own ability but even even more largely that's not correct down to rng and you know Mm. the way the course is laid out before you and the weapons that are presented and the order that the enemies appear then i don't know if that's just something i want to throw myself into i don't know if that's really going to be something that i will enjoy yeah i found i used to play a bit of dungeons of dreadmore on steam years ago like when i was at uni and uh, that's very much a roguelike um, in that, you know, a whole dungeon will uh, be generated in front of you as you explore. And then you'll die and then you'll start and you'll just go onto a scoreboard and then you'll start again. Um, and I remember playing that game thinking, I'm never going to like complete this game. Like I know that there must be an end goal where you escape the dungeon or fight a final boss or something. I'm never going to get beyond like level two or three of this dungeon because it's just... 
I'm just not very good at it. Um, you don't know what to expect. And yeah, all right, I could play it over and over again until I just know the whole thing back to front and I'm I'm prepared for any situation. But the level of RNG and, um, you know, the the limit on how much you can actually prepare ahead of time um, for me wasn't that appealing. I'm sure for some people that's probably exactly what is appealing about the genre, but I agree with you in that, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll happily play the odd roguelike and enjoy it for what it is, but it's not for me as such, um, you know, kind of in the bigger picture. So, yeah, yeah I agree. And outside of the the inflated price of Returnal. And inflated mm. perhaps isn't the, the fairest description, but certainly 70, £70 pounds is more than £55. Pounds. Yeah. It will. I'm really interested to see what the general reception is. I've had a few people, when they've seen me playing it, just ask, like, is it any good? Because they know it's the next big PS5 exclusive. But I just think people aren't ready... For Aren't necessarily the mainstream certainly perhaps isn't necessarily ready for this genre without it being maybe dumbed down to the point where it doesn't really it's not really recognizable as a roguelike anymore. Like mm. it, if they make it more accessible, then does that not just change what it is? <laughs> you know, uh, at its core and. Soulsborne games are hugely popular, very, very successful franchise, and that games, those games are, you know, they're challenging, they're tough, they take a lot of learning and and trying again. But roguelike, I think, is just in a class of its own because it's it's a concept that even Soulsborne games don't don't have, which is yeah. you you lose everything, you've got to start all over again, and then the world um, changes, and then the world changes, likes. you can't yeah. even get good at the world, yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know if the mainstream audience is ready for it to justify your EAs, your Ubisoft, your Activisions pumping money into this genre. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how Returnal does. It's reviewed well, but I don't know that it's going to sell very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. The proof is in the pudding, Peter. And the pudding in this case is a football. Oh. Yum, yum. Uh... Would you like to talk about potentially some more Returnal in the section where we discuss the games we have been playing that we call <laughs> What We Play In? Wow, we're on fire today, aren't we? Yeah. It's What We Play In time. Peter, what are you playing? I've played a rate load lot of Minecraft this week. Ooh, um, solo or with friends? With friends. Uh, nice. I've not done any solo. Um, it might get to the point, as we talked about, I think last week on the podcast, maybe it was the week before, when I was saying that I've been playing Minecraft, uh, you know, there may come come a point where the the group decides, yeah, I'm kind of done with our, with our Minecraft world now, let's go back to whatever it is that we all prefer to play, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, Warzone or something else, which is, you know, in your case, that's what happened. But um uh, for now, everyone is it's still playing. We're having a good time. It's uh, true full survival mode. There are mobs, and we have to, you know, go and get all of our materials legit. Um, it's fun just, like, building farms and things and trying to automate stuff with redstone. And uh, that game, though, it's just... I will never get used to all the new things in it now. I'll just never, ever know and understand <laughs> everything that is in there. 
Um, there was a time where I knew every block and what every block did and where you would find it, you know, several versions ago. I say several, many, many versions ago. Um, and now that's not the case. There's all kinds of redstone blocks and things that there's there's one person in our group who knows like uh, knows new Minecraft very well. He knows all the, the the latest stuff, and he's able to like use those really well when we're doing circuits and stuff to automate farms and things. And there's like comparators and the daylight detectors, I think, and uh, oh, all sorts of things. I don't I don't know what to do with it all. But in any mm-hmm. case, it's it's very good. Um, and uh, it's just nice that game isn't it when the music just kicks in at random and uh, oh, it's a very zen game whether you're playing kind of creatively like we did um, well actually no we didn't did we when we did our stuff we all we mined everything legit I, I just kind of forgot that we it did. was did we do it peaceful? I think we we, yeah that was peaceful. it we, it was peaceful but uh, you know we did have to no creative mode is, is how mm-hmm. we played it Um but yeah, whether you're you know playing on true peaceful creative or true survival or something in between, it can be a very relaxing game. Um, it's the kind of game where it's that thing where you know you're like driving down the motorway, perhaps late at night, and then you kind of realize that you don't really remember what happened in the last five minutes. And it's not because you weren't concentrating, it's because your brain was like, well, I'm not going to mm-hmm. bother remembering any of this. And uh, yeah. you can be sitting there just like mining stone and then go, oh, oh, I'm playing Minecraft. Hello? Hello? What's going on? And in um, our cases, when your brain wonders, it's, man, did I schedule that list? Oh, yeah. Next week, I've got to do this. Oh, mm-hmm. have I done this? Oh, God, I didn't. I've got to email this guy. Yeah. No yeah. escape. That's that's always on the mind. <laughs> um, no escape. But uh, no, it's been very, it's been very chilled. Um, so I've been thoroughly nice. enjoying that and I don't know how long it's going to last that we're all going to be still wanting to play so I'm going to just get get my Minecraft while I can because I too will get bored I'm not saying I'll be the only one who still wants to play and everyone's going to go and leave me I will also be like <laughs> yeah screw this let's go play some PS5 let's I mean, go Resident... play some Warzone Peter Austin yeah. is dropping in big Warzone boy I mean you know Resident Evil's coming this week, and uh, yes. I'm—I know I'll be playing that, so maybe I'll be the first one to go. Um, so I don't know, but we'll maybe. see. You got to build a big, uh, big diesel lady cheese first. What? No, that's yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds way worse. That's that's really strange. <laughs> lady D scary cheese. Um, that's what you got to build in Minecraft before you're done, and uh, then she won't kill you in Resi Village. It's the crossover. Microsoft and Capcom have been hyping up all year. Yeah. Yeah, you have to build the model, and that's mm-hmm. how you win the game. You do win the game that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's actually all I've been playing. I've dedicated all of my outside of YouTube gaming time to Minecraft. Um, Fantastic. So that, that's it. But uh, what have you been playing this week? Well, you re- you you remember, Peter, last mm. week on the podcast, we got a question from Cameron Keywood, who was a trophy hunter, and yes. he was talking all about Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. And I made a flippant comment like, oh, Cameron, can you come and do the time trials for me, please? Uh, yeah. Because uh, as I spoke about on the podcast at the time, I got all of the entropy time trials. And then after that, very helpfully, you unlock the nitrous oxide time trials, which are brutal 
and I don't want to do them. Thank you very much. And that's when I stopped playing the game. And that was like over, a year, well, close to two years ago now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Cameron came through. I thought Cam- this might happen. I must admit at the time I was like, well, that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> Cameron sent me a tweet and said, listen to the podcast. I'm in. Add me on PSN. And this week at the time of recording... And hopefully at the time of release, it may it may actually be done. But at the time of recording, he has done all of them bar two. Oof, wow. And it's honestly, it's so impressive to watch a master at work. Because I, I did have a little attempt and a play around. And I, uh, I, was, I was not good enough at the time to do them. Mm. And now I am so out of practice that I just absolutely get destroyed by the time trial ghost. So... I bet it's quite thrilling to watch because not only are you watching someone play Crash very well, but the mm. stakes are your own trophy. So it's like you're really rooting for this person. Well, I I haven't I've only caught little bits and pieces because it's actually been while I've been working. So I've oh, just okay. sort of set it going and then come back through and, and sat back down at my desk and mm-hmm. just kept my phone open in case in case Cameron sent a message like share plays ended because it only goes for an hour or whatever. Yeah. But uh yeah, huge, huge thank you to Cameron Keywood. He's actually on YouTube, Cameron Allen Gaming, if you want to search for him. His, his channel is doesn't have a huge amount on it at the moment. He's a university student, but he's hoping to add more. So if you want to go check him out, that's where he is. Wonderful. But hopefully next week, Peter, mm-hmm. I'll have that bloody platinum because that's the Whoa. only trophy I need, just that one. And I think Cameron's going to do it for me. I think he's Sounds like it. Yeah, just channeled my inner cheater, Austin, I thought. What would Cheetah Austin do? Yeah. Cheetah Austin would not be, ironically, not be too big to ask for help. Yeah. Because you can always ask for help if you need it. I mean, also, ironically, Cheetah Austin has never used SharePlay, but Cheetah Austin (laughs) would if he could be bothered, I suppose, or if he ever thought to actually do that. If he thought he could cheat via it, you know he'd be on that SharePlay. Uh, Cheetah Austin, of course, completely different guy from you, not the same person. Oh, yeah. No, I... Oh, I never noticed that, that it sounds like Peter Austin, doesn't it? That's funny. Weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's not you, so no. that's fine. No. Uh, so thank you again to Cameron, absolute hero. Uh, now, beyond that, I finished Crash Bandicoot 1. Oh, yeah, I forgot you were playing those. Oh, well done. Did you have to use a super password? Or yes, you... I, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I reached the point where, because of the weird, stupid save system in that game, mm-hmm. I was getting two or three levels ahead and then and then losing all my lives on, say, the high road, and yeah. then getting chucked back, like, four or five levels. Yeah, I, I don't like, like I'm that. I'm not... I don't want... Like, life is too short. This game came out in the mid-90s. I'm too old for this. I don't want to mm. have to do this. Um, so, yes, I did follow your advice. I used the super code to unlock all of the levels so that when I inevitably did die and lose all of my lives on various levels, I would just have to scroll back from the final level to continue where I left off. Did you uh, go to Castle Machinery, or Heavy Machinery, I can't remember which one it is, where you can ride a green gem up into the sky, and there's like yeah. 32 lives across oh the top? Oh my god, no, I didn't see that. Oh no. <laughs> I didn't see that. I did only have to skip maybe four levels in the mm. end. High Road was definitely one of them, obviously. Right, yeah. Uh, but my my uh, my rule, my personal rule was, have a go at a level... And if you lose all your lives on it, then 
I've got the idea and yeah. I can move yeah. on to the next one. I get what that level's about. Okay, thank you very much. Well, don't uh, let it um, get you down. If, you, if you're still thinking you might play the, first, the, the other two and you, you're now not sure because that was a bit of a chore for you, mm-hmm. uh, at least they have a good save system in them. So I'm on the third warp room of Crash 2. Oh, wonderful. It's night and day, isn't it? Those yeah. two games. It's just so much more accessible mm-hmm. and... It's just got so many quality of life improvements. The saves, the short levels, the fact you come back to a warp room. It's it's great. It's it's way better than Crash 1. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will I will stick with it. I don't know. How many warp rooms are there in Crash 2? About five or something. Okay. I think there's a... Well, I know there's also a, a special one you unlock that's like below the first one. Um, but you get that by doing like certain special little almost secret cheaty things well, not cheaty things but like little mm. secret easter egg things which you might need a guide for um okay because they're not well, very intuitive i'm not going for the you know 100 collect all right. the boxes get all the gem stuff it's just uh i'm on uh, i'm on a tour I'm, I'm just sort of on a tour of the crash games yeah like I'm, okay. I'm a tourist passing through like oh Oh, look at that. Mm-hmm. This is fun, isn't it? I finished it. I did it. Did you really finish it, though? Did you do everything? Of course not. But I saw it. I came and I saw all of it. That's yeah. what Julius Caesar said. It is what he said. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Honestly, I'm still just kind of blown away how much better Crash 2 is than <laughs> Crash yeah. 1. Um, but, Crash uh, 3 is uh, my favorite of the three. I oh, think amazing. Crash, Crash 2 is... Um, it's way better than the first in terms of quality of life touches, although I've mm-hmm. got a nostalgic love for the first. Oh, of course, the se- yeah, I'm not taking that away from anyone. Sure, but the the second one, my main issue with it is that a lot of the levels are quite samey. There's quite a limit on the, you know, the different sort of level types that Crash games have, like the mm. sort of tile sets. And yeah. there's a lot of levels in Crash 2, I find, that are quite similar in style. and uh, Jungle Crash- Snow Castle Factory. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Just... Jungle Snow, there's lots of those in Crash 2, but um, Crash 3 is super varied. Mm. Um, so that's something to look forward to, hopefully. Amazing. I remember playing one level, actually, when I was at university, weirdly. I can't mm. remember what circumstances led to me playing it, but it was a bit where Crash is on like a... It's either a motorbike or some kind of hoverboard. Yeah. And you you go fast and do jumps and stuff, and you're on like the, the a road in the desert. And that's that's what I remember. I might be wrong. But, yeah, um, it's a motorbike level. Okay. Yeah. Well, that that was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to playing that. I had that with Crash 2, in that I owned and played one and three loads. And then mm-hmm. me and my mum were on the on, on our way to the airport once to go and see my, my family in Germany. And we stopped at this pub halfway driving to the airport just for some food and they had like a little kiddie area in this pub with like a little arcade machine and they had a playstation like nailed to the wall and crash 2 was on it and i played the level where the polar bear chases you and i was like wow this is great this is the best thing i've ever seen mom mom i don't want to go to germany yeah i want a copy of crash 2 for my playstation (laughs) amazing uh, beyond that, I I relented purely because I think Returnal is it can get a bit heavy sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if you're just re- just dying a lot and replaying over and over again. So I did relent and I did go into Warzone and I've tried right. out the quote unquote new map and uh, yeah, 
you know, they, they have made it... The, the whole concept is that it's a flashback to the 80s. So all of the weapons are now weapons from uh, Black Ops Cold War. And they've, like, as I said before, like all of the um, the locations that were bombed and destroyed previously are, are fixed and sort of right. in working order as they would have been in the 80s. So there are, you know, there are new buildings there and some things look a bit different. I'm still very disappointed. Um <laughs> But the quality of other players seems to have dropped, which I think is because the new season, a lot of players came back in again. So the average playing ability dropped down. So when we played, we're actually doing okay. Got some kills. Did right. you know? Felt didn't just spawn and get killed by some overpowered weapon that they failed to nerf. You know? Yeah. Uh, so there we are. That's that. And obviously the big one this week, Returnal. Talked all about it in the quip scope. Um, it's good. It's really good. There's there was at the time of recording there was a um, a patch that they released that started wiping people's saves. Yeah, I heard about that. So apparently that's now been fixed. We'll see when I start it back up if my save is blank. Honestly, Peter, if it's blank, I'm done. I'm not starting, right. <laughs> starting again. Yeah. Because it's only been 2 days since we recorded the quip scope and I've not made it any further in the game. Um but I am on biome 5, so Right. I'm I'm getting there. I'm I've made a decent amount of progress. So mm-hmm. if if it's gone, I can't do it again. No. So hopefully that's not the case. You have to get someone on SharePlay to do it for you. Oh my god, I can't imagine. It, as if time trials in Crash Team Racing were hard over yeah. SharePlay with a little bit of lag. I can't imagine what Returner will be like. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's time geez. for question two, Peter. It is. It comes from Jumper Kimmons. Who says, hello Ben and Sita, how are you? Has your love for a particular game or franchise ever stemmed from an event in your life that you experienced while playing it? I'm not really a fan of horror or spookums. During 2015 to 2017, I worked at a morgue slash sem- uh, sorry, cre- cre- crematory. It says yes. crematory, is, but I'm not sure if that's a real word. I'm no, assuming you probably... I'm familiar with crematorium, but... I think that's why I tried to read it as cemetery. Yeah. Retrieving and transporting the deceased. I was basically the Arkansas Reaper. It might be an Americanism, perhaps. Mm. I would work two nights on call, usually sleeping in the office in the evening. During this time, I fell in love with the original Resident Evil 1 and 2, beating both between making house calls late at night. I also played the majority of Dead Space, but it was too spooky. Mm -hmm. I think fighting zombies in wandering eerie environments was enhanced by playing it in possibly one of the scariest places. What do you think? Am I a weirdo? It's a good story, Jumper. Thank you very much. Wow. Um, Imagine that. Imagine that job. I mean, obviously, it's a job that someone does. Yeah. But it's just not a job that I've ever really thought about. Mm-hmm. And then subjecting yourself to spooky things as well. They do say, though, it's one of those jobs that probably has the most job security of all. You know, there's mm. always... Or, I mean, there, there are various jobs that people have said, oh, well, they're always going to need... X, Y, Z. But like during COVID, they struggled because, you know, electricians weren't ra- allowed to go around people's houses and things like that. Oh, I was going to need sparkies. Yeah, well, you're not if you can't go to someone's house. But mm-hmm. people are always going to die. So Yes, they are, Peter. Maybe it's a job you should uh, get into if you decide to move out of the YouTube scene. Me? Yeah. Oh, you just said it's, you've never thought about it. I'm just saying. I've never considered it as a job full stop oh, just it wasn't it so much it wasn't so much a case of considering it as a job for me that sounds like the job for me <laughs> like you say someone's got to do it 
Yeah, um, they do. But anyway, it's a good story. Playing Resident Evil while you're working at a morgue. Um, I so I guess what we're talking about here maybe is um, games that came at a kind of almost serendipitous time in our life. You know, mm. maybe either just to sort of help us through something, or perhaps even almost amusingly similar in <laughs> Jumper's case. Um, yeah. I think. I obviously want to just avoid ground that I've already trodden in previous What This Game Means to Me episodes where uh, I talked about um, Spyro and Beyond Good and Evil in in my two uh, outings. Um, But one that I came up with outside of those was um, I played Bully, uh, the the PS2, I think it was multi-platform, but the PS2 uh, game rockstar game set in a school when you were a bully when i was a bully and it taught me how to bully people no it was um i was a very straight-laced child throughout my school years no uh, would you believe would no. you believe it come on uh, but that game came out in 20 i want to say 2016 uh sorry 2006 not 2016 God, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> not <laughs> long ago 2006 I think and um, so I was probably maybe three or four years into high school when I started playing it and I think when I got hold of Bully and gave it a go it was probably just what I needed to try to, to kind of push me a little bit away from just taking it a bit too seriously um, I still was respectful of my peers and my teachers. I'm not saying that it turned me into a delinquent, mm. but I was able to just have a bit of fun, you know, on on the school bus and in the playground, and yeah, perhaps be a a little bit a little bit cheekier on the on the back row of class occasionally. Um, you know, I don't want to give the impression that I suddenly turned into some asshole because I. <laughs> looked at Jimmy Hopkins and thought, yeah, that's who I want to be. Yeah. But um it just sort of showed that like, oh, you can kind of, you know, kind of have, have fun at school. It's an institution, but there's, you know, almost a social an interesting social structure and, you know, people have their own little little adventures. Um so I think there was something in that that, you know, it I what I I guess the the way to encapsulate it all is that before I played bully, I always had my top button fastened and my shirt tucked in. And after I played bully, I had my shirt untucked. Oh and my, my god! My, my top button loose. Wow! Um, How many detentions did you get? Oh, loads. No, I didn't. I didn't really. Get, I would. You know, if I saw a teacher, I'd quickly quickly sort it out again. <laughs> but. Uh, it it did just kind of loosen me up a little bit, which I think I probably needed at school mm-hmm. because, you know, that kind of thing can stress you out as well. If you think that it's really, really, really important that you do everything exactly right at school, then the moment that you get told off for something you didn't do on purpose or, you know, you don't do quite as well as you were supposed to in, in a quiz, then, you know, you can get like unnecessary 
stress and anxiety and worry about those sorts of things. So I yeah. think it was good. Good for me. The pressure that kids are put under just generally is so yeah. absurd. And you only realize it when you're an adult and you're like, well, actually, that was just nonsense, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Why did they Why did they make that seem? Why did they make the, the year six sats seem like the most important thing in yeah. the entire universe? Mm-hmm. Who was that for? That yeah. was for the school. That wasn't for you. Yeah. Nonsense. Poor children. They really yeah. they really go through a lot, don't they? They do. They do, especially now. Um, it's God. getting worse, I think. But Yeah, we're going to have a whole generation of kids who just had a weird year and a half. Yeah, I know. Missed out on socializing with other children and stuff. It's going to be going to be interesting. Still, there are still some kids in my family that are school age, they're like early high school age and I just hear about what they're doing or what they've been doing over the past yeah. year or so and I'm like, "Geez, okay, wow. I would not have liked that." But Yeah. My entire my my younger brother's entire uni experience so far oh. has been during COVID. Yeah. And yeah. he's just been either at my parents' house or stuck in halls of residence. <laughs> not yeah. not done any of the socializing or adult stuff that you do when you're at university or college, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, that's a problem for the psychiatrists, psychologists. Yeah, well, both. It depends what the issue is, I think, but maybe yeah. Jumper Kimmons as well. Yeah. Perhaps. You always always need a sparky during COVID. Right. You do. I think that's yeah. what we that's what we came to the conclusion about. Um for me I've chosen Persona 4 Golden because it sort of came into my life at a time where, and I may have spoken about this generally on the podcast before, but I was like miserable. And mm. <clears throat> I, I'd, I'd finished university and I was, I'd moved back in with my parents and I was extremely, obviously I'm extremely grateful that I have a loving and supporting family and uh, that that would take me back in and look after me and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but I was just really unhappy and I was I think I was about to return to working in retail at that time right uh after being you know at university and stuff and only working during holidays when I was back home and um we were we were on like a family holiday and I took my Vita and Persona 4 Golden and I'd never played it before and I was just like it completely whisked me away to this world that I just couldn't even conceive of which as it turns out is just japan (laughs) yeah (laughs) which you know is pretty easy to conceive of actually but the the way that the game presented living in that place and the people you came across and the names of you know the the sort of honorifics and foodstuffs and just everyday normal stuff that goes on in japan was just like it was such an escape for me Mm. and then you add on top of that obviously you know the the kids all teaming up to fight gods and stuff. And that just, that's obviously ludicrous. But it was just, the whole thing I found was so endearing and brilliantly put together that it really provided an escape for me in a way that I don't think any other game ever has. And Mm. a lot of people have that um, when, you know, they're going through rough patches in their life or whatever and uh, they need an escape. And sometimes it's music, sometimes it's movies, sometimes it's games. And uh, for me at that moment, it was definitely Persona 4 golden gave me that escape from uh from reality yeah that's good yeah Yeah. games are games are good sometimes they are sometimes 
occasionally. Yeah. And then there's Fortnite. Am I right? <laughs> bloody, oh, well, bloody Fortnite. You might, you might say that. Uh, it's funny that you should mention Fortnite when we're moving on to our next section. Wow, this which is, is incredible. Yeah, which is just reach for yeah. your. Yeah, the, which is oh, called uh, weird, uh, weird, weird news. Weird, oh goodness! Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Weird news time. Peter, do you have a weird piece of video game news for me? I've got a weird Fortnite news. It was Ooh. submitted to me via Twitter DM from Ern Arrowsmith. Mm-hmm. We know that one. We do. Um, this is according to PCGamer.com. Although it was written written up several places, but this this is yeah this is the one here because uh, I've got like I've got it open in three tabs in different write ups, but this is the one. Court mm-hmm. accidentally opens Epic versus Apple dial in line to all speakers, comma Fortnite kids go nuts. <laughs> Fortnite kids go nuts. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, this is written by Tyler Wild, as I say on PCGamer.com. A little subtitle. Calls to free Fortnite were heard by a U.S. district court this morning. Right. The article begins. Always double-check your conference call settings. The Epic versus Apple trial began this morning with kids yelling over the top of each other on a packed phone line. (laughs) I would suck all of you to get Fortnite mobile back, said one voice. Wow. That's not something a kid should say. (laughs) I missed the commotion when I dialed in to hear Epic's opening statement, says the writer of this article. But QZ or QZ reporter Nicholas Rivero caught it, link, as did The Verge, link. While much civil court business has been taking place over Zoom since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the the Epic versus Apple trial is being held in person. Participants are required to wear masks and the number of people in the courtroom is restricted. So that the public, press and each party's extended legal team can listen in, the speakers have been miked, the speakers have been miked and audio from the court is being broadcast live on dial-in at, 
uh, dial-in lines that support a few hundred people. The lines are not supposed to let anyone outside the courtroom talk, but apparently this morning they did. The Verge heard people say, Free Fortnite! And bring back Fortnite on mobile, please, judge! (laughs) As well as play Travis Scott songs. Uh, When I called in at around 9am Pacific, unaware that any of this had happened, I was asked by the automated system whether I wanted to join as a host, which I thought was odd. I opted not to. Maybe it was unrelated, but I heard part of Epic's opening statement without disruption. For now, the court has fixed the issue. It seems like a fitting start to a legal dispute that kicked off with Epic intentionally breaking Apple's rules and then launching an anti-Apple PR campaign directed at its Fortnite player base. Uh, there is a link. Uh, here we go. So Nicholas Rivero mentioned in the uh, in the article that link goes to a tweet that he has posted, uh, which has a video embedded of just kids screaming <laughs> and shouting okay. over the call. I've sent it to you on Slack. Of right, course, okay. those of you. Watching on YouTube, there will be a link to the original article in the uh, video description. And likewise, if you're listening in audio form, just head to the YouTube upload where you'll be able to find this. Just giving it a listen now. Mm -hmm. It's just noise, isn't it? It's just loads of people talking. People will like plug in their own YouTube channels and stuff and their Twitter accounts. Occasionally someone's phone really near a microphone goes... Yeah, I heard that. (laughs) Happens a couple of times. Fortnite Um, gets a bad rap, and this is this is objectively a pretty funny thing to do. Yeah, but it's also the most Fortnite player base thing I think that could possibly have happened in this situation. They found a way in, and they were obnoxious. Of course, Mm -hmm. they were. Like, (laughs) they weren't yelling abuse or being like awful. They were just being obnoxious and making a ton of noise. That's the thing. Like when I started watching that video, I was like, am I about to hear loads of people just deliberately spouting profanity just because they realize, oh my God, we're actually on the, we're on the court call. Let's just shout F, 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 or, you know, worse slurs, um, and, but no, not really. I mean, it's kind of hard to make out what any individual is saying on there. But no, I don't no. think you really hear that. It's just people getting excited. Um, but yeah, being obnoxious for sure. Um, wow. So there you go. Little story there. Thank you, Ern Arrowsmith, for sharing that with us. Thank you, Ern. My weird news comes courtesy of NintendoLife.com. Brilliant. You can buy a fake Animal Crossing New Horizons game on the Microsoft Store for just two ninety nine. Okay. So this is from Liam Doolan. We've seen a lot of games attempting to cash in on the success of Animal Crossing New Horizons, but this shamelessly takes it to the next level. If you've browsed the Microsoft Store at all in recent times, you might have stumbled across a page for, you guessed it, a PC and mobile game with the same name. Yes, the Microsoft Store is selling Animal Crossing New Horizons by Hugo Studio Lab for just $2.49. What a bargain. Seriously, though, apart from the name and some official artwork, they have just literally uploaded artwork from Animal Crossing to the page. It's got absolutely no resemblance to the real thing. Alarmingly, it's been available since the 23rd of March this year. And let me just refresh it. It's still available now. Okay. 
Uh, here's the description and some screenshots. It's strikingly similar to the arcade mobile game Crossy Roads. I will read that in a second. I'm just going to send you a link to the Microsoft Store posting so you can see what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, Animal Crossing New Horizon. It just says, literally, it's the description of Crossy Roads, which is an animal farm has let its animals escape, helped them to cross the city without being run over. Five different characters. Difficulty increasing. Table of top scores. But at the beginning of that, it just says... Animal Crossing New Horizons. It does, yeah. Animal Crossing New Horizons and Animal Farm has let its animals escape. So long story short, it's crossy. It's a Crossy Roads ripoff that's simply borrowing the name and some promotional artwork of the latest Animal Crossing title for, the, for Nintendo Switch. If you're wondering what the heck is going on here, it's all tied to the fact that there seems to be little to no moderation on the Microsoft Store. It's not the first time we've seen something like this either. Just earlier this year, Microsoft's Edge extension store was reportedly hosting illegal copies of Nintendo games like Super Mario Bros. and Mario Kart 64. Wow. So there we are. If you want to get ripped off... Yeah, if you want to download store. Animal Crossing New Horizons with an approximate file size of 35.16 megabytes, <laughs> then... Yes. Uh, you're sorted. It's got. It also contains fantasy, fantasy violence and mild blood. Just so you know, just oh, like Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Does it indeed. Yeah, that's what it says at the top. Rated E10. Everyone ten plus. Mm. Absolutely absurd. And you can get that on Hololens, PC, mobile device, and Hub. Whatever Hub is. Great. There you go. Go get it. That's very weird. Um, someone needs to sort that out. Microsoft, what are you doing? Uh, Nintendo will move on a fan mod like that. Yeah. But you upload a game pretending to be theirs, they won't do anything. For it's months. true. That's weird, that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Priority. I think you were right to refresh it before. I mean, it could go down at any moment, that, that game. It could. It's been up yeah. for nearly two months. Yeah. God. Well, at time of publishing of this podcast, it might have gone, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We will. It's we'll time see. for question three. This is from Big the Cat, who says, uh, "What's you guys, your guys's, you guys's? I never know what to, to say for that, but people put your guys quite often. What's Disguises. your guys's favorite in-game song? I.e., a song that was solely written for the game and sung by an in-game character or in-world historical figure. Mine is Death to Squishies by Courtney Gears from Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. Now." I the first time I wrote this question, I misinterpreted it as like real world songs that have made it into video games. Mm-hmm. Um, then I reread the question and sort of understood it, but I've kind of my answers don't quite fit with what comes after IE, which is a song written for the game and sung by an in-game character. So um I came up with at first the Skyrim main theme, the the Doverkeen choral song, which right. obviously is not a kind of the pop dragon song, sings that. Yeah. The well, yeah. The uh, you know it, it was in the trailer, and you get it in like on the loading screen a little bit and stuff like that. And actually, when you fight dragons, I think it plays sometimes as well. Um, but uh, I know that's obviously not kind of popular music style. It's very much a, a fantasy. OST sort of thing. But it's got, you know, a choir. It's got a chorus of people singing. So I thought that that kind of counts. But I've I've brought a couple of others as well. Um mm. just to truly answer the question. 
one that's also a little bit tenuous, but I really liked, was um, in Portal 2, there's the song that the turrets sing, not the one at the end. So they sing a song about, I can't remember what it's called now. It's like, it's something to do with the fact that you're leaving. No, was it still alive? Was from the first game. Oh, was it? Um, What's this? Yeah, thing? Portal Two ended with a, a CG cutscene of a load of turrets singing something about oh, the fact that you're yeah. leaving. Like, uh, yeah. Are you sure it's not still alive? Am I conflating that with the first one? I could have sworn that was the second one. No, yeah, still alive was the first one um, on the credits credit sequence. Right. Um, okay. <laughs> So, but I'm not actually referring to the to the final or the ending cutscene of Portal Two. There's an, a sort of a secret hidden discovery in Portal Two where if you look behind a a certain panel, almost in like one of the back rooms, uh, there's like this grate on the floor, and if you look through there, there's like four or five turrets just sitting down there, and they start singing this amazing little like kind of. I don't even know what you how you would describe it, but this this lovely little ditty and uh, turret it's not... opera, I think, is how it's described. Right. Okay. I think. Well, that's that's the ending thing again because there's like a really chunky turret in the in the ending cutscene that's like doing a big solo, and that's the opera. But the thing I'm talking about is like there's just four or five turrets, and they're kind of going do 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 like singing a little boppy song like that and it's uh as much as the song is kind of you know it like i say it's a bit of a bop it's also just the fact that it's hidden away like that and it's you know you almost feel like you're seeing something that is secret and special so that kind of adds to it but all of that aside a song that is you know actually sort of a, a probably more the kind of thing that big the cat was expecting i'm a big fan despite being uh, uh, a white, a white milk toast boy. Um, I like the song "Joyride" by Dashutas, which is spelled exactly as I pronounced it, which is from the first Grand Theft Auto game. Um, it was like the main theme and it's this kind of I mean it's, it's a rap song uh, that was written for the game specifically to try and kind of give you a feeling for what the game should be what the game is about in fact I think it was written before it was written early in development so the game wasn't even fully kind of it hadn't taken shape um, and it was kind of as much as anything else, it was written for the development team themselves so that they all had the same idea of what they were making. Um, but it then subsequently made it onto the radio stations in Grand Theft Auto 3. And I think it's also been sort of referenced in later games as well. But it's also it's just a, it's just a good song. I really like it. It's it's catchy. Uh, nice. It's it's about Grand Theft Auto. It's got attitude. Uh, it's got a good hook. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think it's called Joyride, but also just called Grand Theft Auto. Um, right. But uh, the the artist is called De Shooters, but that's only an in-universe name. I think it was actually done by someone else of a different name uh, mm-hmm. in the in the real world. But 
Yeah, so those are my various answers. Nice. Uh, it does It does say here the turret opera is an event in the single-player campaign of Portal 2. It's an Easter egg in Chamber 16, hidden oh, okay. inside a wall. Yeah. Right. So there you uh, I do the... remember that. It was really, it was so weird, isn't it? Why yeah. aren't they doing a Portal 3? Oh, I don't Come know. On. Well, they don't do 3s. No, I know. I know that's the joke, but it's just, it's so sad, isn't it? Yeah. What a waste, sincerely. And all the creative people involved in making Portal and Portal 2 have since left Valve. It sucks. Yeah. Such a waste. Uh, yeah. But there we are. Maybe one I didn't day. I know it was called uh, the Portal Opera. But yeah, maybe maybe one day it will happen. Don't know. I don't know. We'll get the Portal Opera too. Yeah. Probably not. Nice. Um, I've I've got one written down already, but it is there's probably like there's probably loads that I've just completely forgotten or just straight up didn't know. I struggled. That's why mine were all a little bit, you know. Like the cheese that we're walking across, yes, slightly of full of holes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so one one came to mind just a minute ago, and that was the award-winning performance of Booker DeWitt and what's her name? The one you rescue uh, in Bioshock um, Infinite. The Elizabeth. one who can make, make the sky holes. Elizabeth. Yeah. Hmm. Will the circle be You, uh, there's a there's a scene where you play guitar and and you sing. Uh, Will the circle be unbroken? Um, which is beautiful and a really lovely moment. But it turns out that's a hymn from 1907, so oh. that's not that's not original at all. Um, I think a lot of people would say Keanu Reeves Band in Cyberpunk, perhaps. Oh yeah, yeah. Samurai. All that music was original for the game. Are they called Samurai? I don't know. I'm I don't playing. know what they're called. Um, but the the one that I that I've got is actually, and I'm bending the rules slightly here with this one as well. Uh, but it is true story. It's a song featured in Persona Four Golden. I'm doubling mm-hmm. up on Persona Four today. Uh, during a concert performed by the investigation team at Junez, which is the supermarket in the town. An English version of the song appears in the localized version of the game, performed by Laura Bailey, Risei's English voice ah. actress. So, Risei is like is, is an idol, so she's like a pop star and an actress and a model and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what do you know? <laughs> she ends up in your town. What are the chances? I don't the know. Li- the life of an anime protagonist, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, she becomes one of your friends. And you and your friends are like terrible at music, but you the the musical act drops out at some local concert, and you all have to step up. And it's just quite a sweet moment where you're all there. It's like one of the game's uh, few actual anime cutscenes, so it's properly you know all the characters are rendered and so on, right? Um, and it's not in-game graphics, and, uh, and it's just it's a great moment. And it's a really catchy song that after I experienced it again while playing it through earlier this year, I just had it stuck in my head for weeks afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And it did actually feature, apparently, on the ninth episode of the anime, Persona 4 The Animation, which came out before Persona 4 Golden, because this was an additional scene that they added in. 
Right. So it did appear elsewhere before. However, that was in Japanese. And so I'm going to say that it's okay for an answer. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, we we both got there sort of. I think almost every answer we gave didn't quite fit in with the the requirements, but um, caveats, yeah. There will definitely be some that both of us are not remembering that mm. are from games we really like and yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard sometimes to do these to answer these questions. Like normally as soon as we hit the stop button when we've done a podcast, it's like, "Oh, should have said that," you know, but let us know in the comments yours because I'm sure we'll be uh We'll be forgetting some. Absolutely. Please do. Peter, it's time to move on to something very large. Mm -hmm. It it is is the big discussion. It is that. Big discussion time. This week's big discussion comes from Michael Milan, who says, Hello, glorious gents. Have you ever had a moment in a game that changed the way you view the gaming medium as a whole? For example, for me, the burned-down lighthouse sequence in Beyond Good and Evil, as well as the dead, then not dead, series of events with Uncle Page. Is yeah, that how you say that? it is. Yeah. Peter? Yeah, hello. You still hear me? Pa- yeah, Page? Is it Page? Yeah, I, I said yeah, he must have missed oh, me. Oh, I had, had nothing come through. <laughs> in that same game, was the first time I realised a video game could give me a strong emotional reaction and even tears. Oh. Sorry if this question is a little obtuse. Hope you're all well. Your content is always a highlight in my week. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you, Michael. It's a good question. Thank you, Michael. Um, I, so, although I avoided... Um, talking about my what this game means to me in the question about games that came at a significant time, I will quickly touch on one moment that I talked about um, in my my Spyro chat, uh, which is that it was one of my very earliest kind of epiphanies about gaming, which is that I had this memory of having once made it to the third homeworld of Spyro, uh there are there are like six six different ones that you go to throughout that game and i knew that i'd been to like a snowy place at one time i was like i'm sure that like one time i got to this snowy thing and at the time i'd clearly i'd got there not saved the game because i don't think i ever saved the game back then i was not oh yeah it was one of the first games I ever owned didn't really understand the notion uh i wasn't very old um so i just had this vague memory and then I did eventually, one day, make it back to the Magic Crafters world. I was like, I'm here. I'm at the snowy place. I was right. It was here all along. And at that point, I kind of, it really clicked for me, not just about Spyro, but about video gaming in general, that, man, you can you can really just, you can progress through these things and, like, you unlock new stuff and you can, like, you work work on them, chip away, learn learn new new things, save the game. You know, all of these notions that we obviously take for granted because they are fundamental parts of mm-hmm. video gaming now. Uh, at that age, that was that was all news to me. And I was like, goodness gracious. Um, so that was, you know, for me, uh, granted, we're, not, we're kind of probably leaning more towards narrative moments here in this question. But I did have to just mention that in terms of a significant moment for me in just my video game history. Um, yeah, that's fair. And we might get a little spoilery as well as we talk about narrative stuff. We might, yeah, that's true. Uh, but 
for in terms of a more narrative thing, I don't mind for once actually talking about Beyond Good and Evil in my answer to a podcast question because at least it was brought up by Michael in the first place. <laughs> so I agree that the the lighthouse moment is a very big deal. Um, spoiler warning for those who don't know, uh, Jade, the protagonist, has a load of orphans living at her lighthouse who their parents have been like killed or disappeared in the war. And she goes off and has adventures and she sort of, she kind of leaves them to fend for themselves, but I think some of them are kind of old enough to take care of the others and there's loads of them and they've got a shield around the the lighthouse. And then at one point she goes back there after she's got embroiled in this conspiracy theory and uh, the whole place is burned down and all the kids are gone. And there's this harrowing cutscene where all that's left is the dog and she's like talking to the dog and just saying like, yeah, no one can do anything about any of this. And like, you know, we, sh- we should all just like leave well alone. And, you know, it's hopeless and all that. And it's, yeah, it, the music as well that accompanies it is fantastic. Um, but outside of that, uh, but within Beyond Good and Evil as well, there's a moment in that game, probably one of my favorite moments in gaming of all time, uh, kind of predates the, the sort of stuff that we get now from the likes of... Um, Naughty Dog and uh, I suppose Ubisoft um, where you know you have these big dramatic uh, scripted events where the world is blowing up around you and um, the, perhaps the the AI companions that you might have with you are sort of scripted to do certain things. Um, for the time it was really impressive. You're running across this rooftop in a kind of chase sequence and you're being fired at by all these guards and there's ships flying overhead and stuff, blowing things up. And uh, granted now it looks like a bit low budget, but only, you know, for the time it was very impressive. And the whole thing ends with you getting to the very end of this rooftop, still being chased and you've run out of road and you're like, well, that's it now I'm dead. And you have to just take this leap of faith off the edge Unfortunately, your friend is there waiting for you and they grab your hand. But I too, in that moment, I realized games can be super cinematic. They can be as as good and as dramatic as movies can be. Um, Mm. And, you know, again, for the time, I think Beyond Good and Evil may be one of the first games that showed me that. There have been many games that have demonstrated that since then. But, you know, if you consider that game came out in the mid-noughties, it's pretty impressive, really. So, uh, yeah, a couple of moments in that game for me, really, that gave me that kind of that kind of feeling and realisation. Nice. nice. What are yours? Well, obviously Final Fantasy VII. Yes. Uh, as the game that got me into games and a very narratively driven title as well with some great characters in there. And initially, it took a while to grow on me in that I was invested and, and I was interested in what was going on and I was being swept along with the story because I'd never played a game like this before. You know, it was just Spyro and and Skater Boy Man. You yeah. know, it wasn't, wasn't this, whatever this... How do you even describe this? Like, what is, what is that? How would you describe that to someone who's only ever played Spyro? Yeah, you know? yeah. Imagine Spyro, but he kills people. Oh, no, actually, that is Spyro. Imagine Spyro... But he kills people and he has fire magic. Ah, bugger. That's still Spyro, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so Spyro, but he doesn't have hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so there was a point in that game where I was training up in Cosmo Canyon. 
and one of my materia, my magic spells, if mm. like leveled up. And they said, "Congratulations, you've unlocked fire too." I was like, "What? What is this?" And then fire did more damage and had a different animation. And then when I got it up to level three, and then the level beyond that, and it reached master level, Ooh. it uh, it spawns a brand new fire materia at, at level zero or whatever. And just that, for some reason, that whole concept blew my mind that the games could have just just be that complicated and have mechanics like that. Yeah. Um, just really opened my eyes like, oh, my God, this game is so much more detailed and has so much more to it than, than I ever could have possibly conceived of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that was a real eye opening moment for me. Um there are a couple of narrative things that I've got written down as well. Mass Effect 2, uh, devastated when some of my party died during the suicide mission of in that course. game at the end. Yeah. Uh, even 3, even though the ending was crap, just the visual of an exhausted, beaten-looking Commander Shepard stood there at the end of the universe with like this alien god in the guise of a human child having to admittedly only choose between three options. But you are faced with choosing the future of existence and life, uh, you know, in the universe. And it's got like this sad, melancholy piano music playing in the background as well. Just a very striking visual. And that moment felt like a real culmination of the series to me, even if it ultimately didn't pay off at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just that, that particular moment was really striking. Additionally... In the Last of Us one, Joel killing everybody in the hospital to get to Ellie. Yeah, you in that moment. I don't know if you were the same as me. So convinced that you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. like you are. As the player, I was furious that they had taken Ellie. They wouldn't let me, Joel, see her, yeah. and she was going to die, like on the operating table. It wasn't their choice though, to make. Sorry. Wasn't their choice to make? Wasn't their choice to make? I don't think. I mean, it may well have been, you know, expanded on afterwards, but yeah. I don't think Ellie was necessarily aware that she was going there to die. Mm. Um, and then you just charge through. And I played it. This was like perhaps one of the few times in a game where I played the game, feeling the same emotions that the character you're playing as was feeling, just anger and and just being completely furious killing everyone you know everybody that gets in your way and all tactics i think went out the window for me at that moment i just stormed through those uh, through the hospital just destroying everyone that was in my way and then that gut punch at the end of the game where where you lie to her about what happened is oh it's just it's masterful and it just it just ties your stomach up in knots and that was a real moment where I I was just like this 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 is brilliant you know games are amazing because you can't you can feel angry at something that happens in a film but you can't control what happens next and I know it's you know there's there's only one ending there and you you got to do what the game tells you but actively playing through that and being involved is just another level of sort of emotional connection with the characters that you you just can't get in any other medium really yeah because although it's obviously it's not you it's joel 
being in control of him makes it feel like it's you. You know, it's, mm. it's a whole different thing, as you say, with a movie. Yeah, you can be emotionally invested in something, but you feel like you're just watching someone else do something and, you know, try and try and rescue their friend or whatever it is. Um, but when it's kind of it that, you know, it's it's in your hands, literally, um, that adds a whole extra layer to it for sure. Um, and interestingly, I've not played uh, The Last of Us 1 since playing The Last of Us Part 2. But, you know, I won't go into spoilers, but that adds uh, that game adds a whole extra dimension to the fact that you burst into that operating theatre mm-hmm. and, you know, do do the terrible things that you do. And yeah. uh, I imagine playing that through again now uh, would feel even more kind of... Um, I don't know. It would put me in even more emotional conflict and, and make me feel like, God, what what am I doing? Is this right? Is this wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With uh, after you learn certain things in the in the subsequent game, so yeah, a huge moment for sure. Definitely is. Uh, but what about yours? Let mm. us know in the comments, tweet us, all that kind of stuff. Peter, where can people find us? We are at YouTube.com. And twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. It's where we put all of our videos and do our live streams. When we stream on both of those channels, we are modded by Lord Brotovich, Mad Stadactyl, and Trowling Badger. Remember, speaking of Twitch, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits of that is a Twitch subscription at no extra cost. So you can spend that on us. We get all the normal benefits. You get all the normal benefits. And uh, don't know who loses out, Twitch or Amazon or someone. Not us, though. Not, not us. You. Um, we've got social media at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Luke Eldon continues to look after Facebook for us. All of Facebook. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> yeah. Um, the patron, the Patreon, sorry, it, for patrons is patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. There's lots of different tiers there. Uh, at a minimum, you can ask questions on this podcast, but there's other things to have a look at, too. Uh, the website is triplej.mup. That's triple ju dot mp. If you go to triplej.mup forward slash discord, that will send you straight to our discord room, um, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollowise. Thank you, gang. Uh, if you go to triplej.mup forward slash podcast, it will give you the uh, a link to the audio version of this podcast if you are watching on YouTube right now. Uh, triplej.mup forward slash VODs will send you to our VODs channel on YouTube where all of our VODs are uploaded um, and uh, we have weekly highlight uh, videos as well Pat has been doing those for us and is uh, coming to the end of his tenure he's moving on to bigger and better things um, but uh, so this was the final week of, of highlights wasn't it is that right Ben was, yes yes so the the last um, highlights montage of the of the the week streams I believe went out on Monday of this week or Tuesday of this week so mm. um, yes big thank you to Pat for all his hard work on those big thanks They've been very much enjoyed so thank you yeah uh, and finally if you go to triplejump forward slash shop or just go straight to triplejumpshop.com they're the same thing you'll go to our our shop our new not very new anymore shop with uh, the latest merch and um hopefully brand new drops coming very soon you can follow yes. triple jump shop on twitter for uh, all the latest updates on when uh, drop number two is coming there we go ben hello
Hello, Ben. Hello. I can hear you now. You've you've been breaking up for this is Discord fun, everyone. You've been breaking up for me throughout that entire outro, and yeah, I just I would wait patiently to hear you talk again because I wasn't sure <laughs> right. if you were still going. Uh, we're so close to the end, though. I don't we think are. it needs cutting out, so it'll be fine. Um, you can follow Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin, and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Streams every Monday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday being the joint stream, Blazed on YouTube. Monday and Friday being solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday, and we do shows once every other week, or thereabouts, something to do, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about some shows in a second. Why not leave us a review on iTunes or your platform of choice? It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Thank you very much. This week, Peter, on yes. the channel, show-wise... We've got a What It Means to Me with Matt McMuscles talking about No More Heroes. You may be familiar with Matt's work on YouTube. He does the What Happen series, I believe. And uh, he's a fantastic uh, video content creator man. And we we thank him very much for coming along and doing doing a What It Means to Me. Absolutely. Really insightful. Uh, Also, we've got Returnal. The Quipscope, you can go give that a watch. There's actually a poll out, a poll? There's a poll out right now on our Patreon uh, for all patrons to vote in. In fact, this is at the time of recording. It'll be done by the time this goes out. About whether or not people want to hear Quipscopes on the podcast feed. So they wouldn't be included in the podcast, but every time there's a new Quipscope, we would upload the audio to our podcast feed so it would appear as a separate download. And we're just getting some people's opinions, seeing whether or not that's something yeah. people would actually like. Uh, so you you may see those appear soon. Perhaps. This is something they do uh, over on Cultaholic, I believe. Yes, um, they put thing. all sorts on their on their podcast feed yeah. as well, news and desert island graps and stuff. So it's something we're we're thinking about introducing here. If people would like that, so keep an eye out. You may see those soon. Finally, Peter, one thing I forgot to put on the running order, but mm-hmm. we definitely shouldn't forget about, is that. This weekend, in fact, I believe it's still ongoing at the time of release for another three hours, is a 24-hour gaming streamathon in aid of the mental health charity Mind. Mm. And that is actually being run by numerous members of our community, including Lord Brotovich, the El Dude Brothers, MDES, Poison Apple a Day, Knee Deep, a gamer called Jack, Dead Eye Minis, and Awesome Fox 42. That'll be uh, kicking off on Friday night and, as I said, running through for 24 hours. Uh, Should still be live now. We've tweeted all about it. You can go to justgiving.com forward slash gaming central if you'd like to support them. But uh, do tune in if you happen to have downloaded this podcast and listened to it immediately and you're able (laughs) to go tune in. But uh, we have posted about it so you can find links quite easily. And uh, there we are, Peter. That's all. Best of luck to them. And uh, thank you all for watching slash listening and uh, Mm -hmm. do let us know in the comments below your answers to the big discussion question about um games the sort of uh you know gave you gave you those moments but also i want to hear about i really want to hear about those video game songs that we definitely couldn't think to include in our answers (laughs) because we missed so many good ones i know it so uh yeah let us know in the comments absolutely thank you so much for listening everybody uh just enough time to talk about this week's sponsor once again, which is, mm-hmm. of course, Lady D's Scary Cheese. 
Ooh, look out for it. It'll get you. It'll get you if you live in London, which is where all the video game events are happening. And uh, if you want to see some weird cheese in the shape yeah. of Lady Dimitris. And Dimitris. We hope that you're all enjoying Resident Evil Village if you're mm. playing it. Yeah. Right. Very exciting. We're off now. We'll see you again next time. Have a lovely yeah. rest of your weekend and look after yourselves. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.